Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. So let's begin with my last week. I, I'm serious. <laughs> the saga of John. No, I, I think it's, there's actually a lesson to be learned. So I, we went to Colorado, and uh, you know, the last decade plus of my life has been at sea level, either on the coast of Georgia or Houston, which is, what, 38 feet above sea level. And so you fly into to Denver, and it's a mile high. What is that? What's a mile? 5,200? 600 yes, 2,600. No, 5,000. A little north of 38 feet. Yeah, a little north. <laughs> it's more a lot than, north. More than 38. <laughs> Come on, you're like the fix-it guy. You're supposed to know all the math. And the... I, don't, uh, I don't. So I don't measure in miles. So then miles. you go up to Steamboat Springs, and my brother-in-law has a place, and the house is at 7,742 feet. I know that because I asked Siri, hey, Siri, what is my elevation? She somehow knows. It looks like See, I, but I've heard that Houston is not the high. Maybe we're at the high spot. This is the high well, spot. We're also on the second floor. floor of a building. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh. I didn't think about that. See, this is why I'm not capable of doing yeah. your job. <laughs> but I, I learned a valuable lesson. So we went up to this little place at, outside. Look up. Um, it's called Sand Lake in Route National Forest. Oh, yeah. R-O-U-T-T, I think it's, well, anyway, so we hike up, so we start at like 9,000 feet, we hike up to 10,500 feet to this mountain lake, and I got a picture of me eating a sandwich up there, what you can't hear is me gasping for, <laughs> literally gasping for air and oxygen, and so here's what I've learned, and this is what I'm trying to process on sort of the spiritual connection to this, right? is that at 10,500 feet, I always thought there was less oxygen. It's actually the same amount of oxygen at sea level. 21%, doesn't change. Hmm. Okay. The, the difference is the pressure. The pressure is drastically less oh, at 10,500 wow. feet. So you have 21% of a smaller number. So it feels to your body like it's 14% oxygen. And I thought to myself, wow, think about pandemic and COVID and all the things that we're in. We have access to the same resources, the same community, the same God, the same friendships, the Come same on. spiritual disciplines. And yet the pressure is significantly different. Mm. So it feels like we have way less access, capacity, mm. connection than we have ever That's before. Good. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to just unpack this connection of my of my panting experience in Colorado because I can tell you when the pressure is different when there's significant changes in the pressure and your head is exploding you're nauseous you're tired it's just the whole thing and I'm thinking this look at the pictures of this place it's like the most beautiful place in the world temperatures are are wonderful and all I can think is I'm gonna die I'm gonna <laughs> in die. the most beautiful place you know in the world. You, you don't realize that your heart rate at night uh, it's your resting heart rate is significantly higher because your body is trying to pump you know because it feels like you're getting less oxygen moving around your body it's like wearing a mask in Texas in, in August yeah it is all the time well so anyway, that's my story, Matt, about... Did, what did you do last week? 
you know what? I have no idea what I did last week. <laughs> no. It was another week. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, school started for the kids. Um, um, last week was kind of the holding our breath to see if the hurricane was coming. Uh, and so mm-hmm. we, we started school and then we had two days off and then we went back to school. And so I think a lot of it was, you know, um, Trevor and I connected over some stuff and just kind of wondered about what, when the, where and when the, the storm would hit. And uh, we missed that. So, yeah. Yeah. So Trevor Barnett. That's me. It is you. Yeah. And I'm glad you're here today. And um, I want people to hear about the restoration team. I want us to talk a little bit about how that all started and how you got involved at Chapelwood and and what's happening. I know we're in hurricane season last week as we were talking about this. We had two hurricanes, first time ever in the history of whatever, history of history. You had two hurricanes in the Gulf at the same time. They were both headed to Houston. And there was a fear, wasn't it, at one point that they were going to merge into the super, like, Yeah, there's some weird, like, furry shuiyama. Fujikama, Fujikura. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not familiar with that, oh, that term. I'm not a Omikase. meteorologist. There was something, yeah. It it's like something. if, they, if yeah. they come together, it's like you cross the streams and there's a vortex. That's right. Yeah. Like yeah, time like travel a, or something. Uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> 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 flux capacitor. But, yeah. you know, I think back on our history, <clears throat> in 2017, Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, which mm. dumped 50 plus inches of rain on us 52 inches of rain um and we're just at like today's the the three-year mark when the water started to recede from a lot of places Mm. but um wow a lot of our listeners here and and this area will remember like it was another two weeks before water really got out of the memorial out of the buffalo bayou yeah yeah to a reasonable level yeah I mean, it was uh, we not only the rain and we're in a low line area of what's lots of lots of bayous, but we have these reservoirs that released water in order to protect a lot of houses. But a lot of houses were flooded and destroyed. And so we sort of had to come up. We had never it'd been a really long time since I think Houston had had such a massive um, storm in that way that it damaged that many homes and we just tried to, I think all the churches around are figuring out, all right, how do we muck houses? How do we do this? So we put together just sort of all of our staff allocated to hurricane relief for a season of time. And that's when you came on board around that period or a little after, and the restoration team was born out of all of this. So why don't you tell people about your story of intersecting and coming along and the restoration team, what you do and how all that works. Yeah. So I've, um, I moved to Houston seven years ago, I guess, um, and uh, had been working in, in churches in, in youth ministry. And, um, you know, the Houston area has had some significant floods in, the, in that time. I think, um, you know, five major floods in about four years, um, which is just insane. And so having some understanding of what that, how to respond and how to, how to put people together um, from those past experiences. And then, um, with Harvey coming on board, I'd actually left the Houston area. Um, I wasn't here when, when Harvey made landfall and, um, I was on the East coast and, and kind of watching it. Uh, I remember watching it from a hotel room and thinking, Oh man, this is, this isn't good. Um, and so started messaging my friends, um, that were here in ministry in different, different parts of town and, um, made the decision to, to, 
come home and, and uh, do what, what I could do. And uh, immediately started volunteering, bucking, mucking out houses uh, down in, in Bel Air and, and Meyerland area, um, working with local churches in the area. And um, one of them decided to hire me to do volunteer coordination and, and uh, put kind of help coordinate and organize things because similarly their staff was all engaged and trying to figure out what to do. They were, um, you know, with schools being closed for those first three weeks of the year. They were um, hosting uh, elementary age children in their church uh, while sending their parents out to, to muck homes and um, just kind of respond in, in every way possible. And as we kind of moved through that season that the, through September, it became apparent that this was going to be a much longer, longer process than, than any of us want. We, we were meeting with uh, St. Luke's, St. Paul's, United Methodist, and Chapelwood, and uh, Westbury. Westbury. And um, it, it just was like, all right, we, we have resources. Um, we, have a go- we have a mission. Um, we have goals related to that mission. We have a, a huge need. So how do we make that happen? How do we come together and, and, and work together? And um, we'd had a huge amount of support um, from the country, really, I think, mm-hmm. um, from them seeing you on, on the news and seeing everything that we were doing. Chapelwood had, had raised a lot of funds. We had a lot of support. We had groups of, of people, other churches from all over the country wanting to, to come and help, um, which was amazing. So I got tasked with, with helping lead that and, and put that together. I think it was a, a, a three-month contract. Um, is what we're talking about. So I think it was October something. Uh, I was like, all right, we're, we'll take this three months and, and see what happens. Okay, great. Um, and then it was about three weeks later. It's like, okay, we're going to extend that another three months. And I said, okay, great. And uh, here it is three years later. So um, yeah, we, we have now created the restoration team, which um, same mission, right? Uh, local churches, supporting the local long-term recovery of, of disasters. Um, and last year we had our tropical storm, uh, Amelda, that, that came through the area. This year we have Laura, um, and hopefully that, that's it for this year. Um, we hope. We hope. But we're still working on, on Harvey Homes. Um, and wow. so the restoration team is, is made up of, I think we have about 18 local congregations um, in West Houston that volunteer um, to continue to rebuild homes across Houston. Um, we've been in just over 250 uh, homes and, and worked with just 250 families um, to get them recovered, and, and we have a lot more still to go. Uh, but it's been really, it's been really great. Um, if you follow us on, on any of the social medias, this week we're going through our three-year anniversary um, with – updates of what the last three years have looked like. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's been really neat to go through um, pictures because I always get caught up in what is, what are our jobs right now? And so looking back at the families we've connected with and and assisted and worked alongside um, and the volunteers, we've had people from as far away as Connecticut and California um, as close as, you know, Green Bay. So um, it's been Green Bay Street, not not the town of Wisconsin. I understand. <laughs> yeah, um, and so it, it's been really neat to go through those memories and and put that together, and and um, we got some really cool cool things to celebrate, mm. and so it's been a you know 
been able to take a deep breath um, and kind of exhale from from holding our breath last week with Laura in the Gulf. Um, and so how do we, you know, reflect on what has been um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of focus on being able to support some of the efforts in Louisiana as well as continue to move forward with. Yeah, what always amazed me is that when it started, we were just we were creating something that didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, from, from a systems perspective. And so you had St. Luke's and you had St. Paul's and you had Westbury and us, and we were trying to figure out how to manage it. And we, you know, so we did certain things well and the other churches did certain things well. So it sort of got based headquartered sort of the staffing side out of, out of us, but the volunteers came from, from everywhere. And I remember back then we had made a commitment. We said, we're in this, the, the, all the studies that came at said, said it was going to take three to five years to recover from Harvey. And so we made a decision as a church that we were going to be in this for three years. Now we're at three years and we're still going. So I don't think that that's going to stop. But I think one of the things I really appreciated about Chapelwood and the other churches that were involved in that is they were willing to say, look, this is not something that's going to be a three months. We did the <laughs> three-month contract, but, I mean, we knew it wasn't going to be three months. Yeah. And it always amazed me that whenever a tragedy hits, you get a lot of people that are passionate about it for a short window of time, and then it's not long before yeah. something else Momentum. takes your attention. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in Houston. I mean, we a lot of people uh, were very generous, raised a lot of money. We got some grants that helped us to form and staff. Um, but yeah, I mean, churches moved on, organizations moved on, and there was just an article in the Houston Chronicle, I think just this past week or two weeks, whenever we had the three-year anniversary, and it was talking about the significant uh, disruption that still exists today, people that are still not fully in their homes wow. or haven't been you know, remediated or repaired. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's heartbreaking because 250 homes... Is a, is a lot of homes to work on. Because when you think about the level of work and the time and yeah. the need to get the volunteers, I mean, that's not a small number. And you think about how many more are out there. Yeah. Just in the, and I don't think people understand too the, the, the level of the flooding and the way, I mean, the, just how wide uh, a swath of damage mm-hmm. was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's been a while since I've gone over the initial numbers of impact. I used to be able to pull them right up, but um, well over a quarter of a million homes in, in Houston uh, that were impacted by the flooding uh, of Harvey. And so, yeah, 250 is, is great, but it's also just a drop in the bucket compared to the overall damage. And so there are still you know, dozens and, and hundreds of families that are, mm-hmm. are living through um, those few days uh, mm-hmm. that, that the water came up and, um, you know, sometimes we're going into a home that hasn't been touched yet, um, that the family moved out and they took some things with them, but, but the home is largely left untouched. And sometimes we're going in and making repairs that we're, we're putting in more permanent fixes to what was a temporary fix Mm -hmm. three years ago. Um, and, and just trying to walk alongside those families that are still living that day in day out. Um, Right now we're working for a, an elderly woman um, over off of Eldridge that um, until about two weeks ago, she didn't have any sheetrock in her home downstairs. It was still just bare studs. 
um, with no insulation. So it was, it was like what do they call that? Remediated or mitigated? it had been it had been gutted out and, and remediated. But not not anything. But no fixed. no repairs. Really? Um, when we met her uh, almost a year ago, it's it's just that's how big our backlog is. But when we met her back in November of last year, um, she was washing her dishes in a bucket in her driveway because she didn't have a sink in her kitchen, mm. and so we we. We fixed that as quickly as possible, got her a stove so she could, you know, function in her kitchen appropriately. And, and we're just now able to get to where we can um, you know, have walls in her home and, and um, make it a make it a home again instead of just a, a roof, mm. essentially. It's just amazing to me how long the impact and the damage is yeah. to recover from from a storm like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was, um, so I was, I was at St. Paul's when all that happened. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things I was, um, super impressed with and uh, about Chapelwood is the way that, um, um, that there was this kind of one, this kind of forward thinking, like we've got to stitch these communities up and we have to resource folks outside of our area that may not be getting the resources that certain other areas are because of, you know, demographics and mm-hmm. economics and all that stuff. And, um, and we were working at Project Curie with the near north side folks with Secunda and, and Brandy and all, all those yeah. folks there. And I just remember connecting with, um, with a serving team here um, and connecting with y'all and, and y'all were just like, okay, what do we do to help? You yeah. know, it was like roll the sleeves up yeah. and not just we'll bring volunteers, but here's access to, to grant money that can allow the folks in this neighborhood to begin to remediate their own homes. And, and it was just, it was like one of those kingdom moments that I look back on in times where I'm more, I'm kind of w- wondering about Christianity and I'm like, it showed up there. Yeah. I was there. I had a front row seat to it, you know, and it was just, it was one of those beautiful things. And that's one of the things I love about um, the, my role. Um, and, and the reason I'm, I am so passionate about it is, you know, I, I firmly believe this is where the church should be. Right. Yeah. Um, and and it, it gives the opportunity for the church to stand up and be the church. And, and we get out of all of the infighting and the, the political, whatever, um, and all the internal junk that it comes with. And it's like, okay, that, that gets pushed aside. And the immediate um, need is apparent of there are people in need. We have the ability to help them. We're going to go help them. Um, we'll figure out the rest of the stuff later. And, you know, that was um, something I think Chapelwood did an incredible job, not just three years ago, but especially three years ago. Yeah. Um, and has continued to do so. And St. Paul's the same way. All, all these churches of like, this is bigger than us. Um, and so if we come together, you know, God is here and God, God, it's not bigger than God. And so we'll just give it to him and, and we'll let him mm-hmm. lead us the way it needs to be led. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that we lose sight of every now and then. And sometimes it takes a hurricane to, I remember, <laughs> and I, you know, <clears throat> very careful not to necessarily say anything negative about specific churches, but I remember going through that and, trying to connect with these other congregations we had a meeting with a lot of other large churches Mm -hmm. not just the ones that we ended up partnering with and there was so much territorialism and so much ownership and so you know this this big church said well we 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 can handle this we can do our thing and they were like well we can do our thing well they can do our thing 
and they all did good things. I'm not taking away from anything, but it was like it faded out pretty quickly. Um, they yeah. did really big things, made the news, and then it was kind of like gone mm-hmm. away. Whereas I felt like <laughs> what the restoration team and what what we what we were doing was was really we were going to run a marathon. We didn't need it to be flashy at the beginning. We just needed to have a, a long-term strategy. And I think we were able to do it because we were able to, at St. Luke's and St. Paul's and Chapwood and Westbury and the other churches that decided to ultimately come on said, we don't need this to be about us. We don't even need, I mean, because yeah, the restoration yeah. team, yeah. what happened out of that is we've, it's really now in the process of becoming its own separate 501c3 organization, right. which allows it, to better connect to a broader group of churches than if it's like owned by a church. And that's just out of the, I hate to say it, but the reality that churches just don't play well together. They do. Yeah. Right. Early on, Shocker. it's, it's easy uh, to, to play well. And then um, it, it, it digresses. Um, and so I think that was something early on um, Within within the first six months to to a year, the first year I guess after Harvey, of like, if we're going to be sustainable, long term, and, and work through this five year seven year recovery process, um, the churches are going to get tired, and so like our our model of of having churches support us, not with with volunteers primarily, um, and financially, we definitely need more financial assistance, but the if you send out a group of volunteers every week from the church, from one church, they're going to get tired quickly. And so how do we break that up and allow them to stay engaged in the long-term recovery without fully taking the ownership of it? Um, because it, it, it is exhausting. And um, there's so many other things that the church is trying to respond to. Um, you know, Chapelwood supports missions all across the world. And so it, it, where is the focus and where is that? And I think that's where the restoration team comes in is, you know, it's my job to kind of be that squeaky wheel of like, no, there's still people in our backyard that are impacted yes. by this. You said yeah. you were going to be here. You are here. Like, let's, let, this is how we're keeping it up. Yeah. Um, and so we just need you to come and we'll do the, we'll do the paperwork and the, and the boring stuff. Um, but we need you to continue to show up and continue yeah. to be that. And, One of the things that, um, one of the pictures that I make uh, or the stories I make up when I look at the pictures on the website is that when you look at all those pictures, you begin to see like Houston is there, right? So mm-hmm. you, you've got white folks, brown folks, black folks, you've got old folks and young folks. You have folks from different socioeconomic, you know, like when the hurricane hit, it was just an equalizer, you know, in a sense. And to, to see, and when I think about the restoration team, it, y'all were doing more than just restoring homes. There was a sense in which community came apart in, in that. Friendships began to kind of happen. Folks met each other and worked together in a way that kind of restored a sense of who we were as a city. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that that even things came out of that storm in terms of relationships and in terms of vision together, in terms of the, like you were saying, the church being the church that was more than just putting drywall up. Right. Uh, which is absolutely important. But I began to see like in looking at your, the pictures the last couple of weeks on the website. It's just like, oh, that's there's some kingdom stuff going on there. Yeah. And that, I mean, 
I'm not good at naming things. I didn't come up with the name of the restoration team. Um, it was in one of our meetings with all of the, with these churches coming together early on. We're like, we need to name this something. Um, and the restoration team just really stuck um, because it is more than just restoring the, the physicalness of the home mm. or of the house, but what it does ultimately with with um, with the families that we're working for and the volunteers that we're working with and and all of these things. There's just a very restorative action to it and and being pulled back into who Christ is calling us to be and and the work that that God is doing kind of behind the scenes or in front of the scene, wherever, you know, through us and not just restoring the physical part of the home, but the, the, the spiritual and, and I don't know if you, if mm. you may know this, but when we, when we started the thing, we actually developed organizationally three phases and those three phases, I think Toby was involved in this. We, you know, it was rescue, mm-hmm. it was repair and restore. Uh-huh. And so those were the three phases. Yeah. The first one was, as you remember, in those days, I mean, there were people stuck in their homes from the flooding. Mm-hmm. And so we had sort of the Chapelwood Navy and people in their boats and bringing and going out. <laughs> I and, love to, it. and that's where the, the <laughs> CNN news stuff came right. from because we, you know, that was the big story is that there's people out there pulling folks out of their flooded homes. Um, the but then, but Navy. then, and, Navy. yeah, that. it was the Chapelwood yeah. Navy. Yeah. We, had, we actually had our own little communication network stuff yeah. and, uh, Back when Marchetti and all those they've coming on and how rescuing, finding out where people were. But the repair, so that kind of went on. And I was very involved in that as now then. I remember back here on the campus, staff was getting together. So, okay, let's talk about repairing and mucking. And mm-hmm. that's when the, some, some of the greater connection. But that three or that long term, I know how I said three years to five, and he goes five to seven. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's much, uh, much I heard for t- 14. <laughs> I was, I was, we've gone from three months. I was going to let you hold on to three. <laughs> we've, got, we've gone from three months employment yeah. to now at least seven, yeah, years, yeah, maybe yeah. 15, Plus. 20, yeah. the rest hey. of my life. I'm going to retire from uh, here. I mean, because um, there'll always be hurricanes. I found my wife here. So, like, I, you know, I, it's, I it's a good place yeah. to say. I was thinking, home. even when the explosion happened in, up in uh, the. Uh, yeah. you oh, yeah, talk about so disaster uh, relief. I mean, yeah. everybody here in Houston thinks. Hurricanes, talk about the chemical plant in Spring Branch. I think right. that was a powerful way the restoration team kicked in in our community. Yeah, here. I think that opened up a lot of eyes um, that we are more than just long-term Harvey recovery. Um, that Tell it, people about the is, explosion. Yeah, so, so in, you may forget January of this year. Uh, it seems like about 10 years ago, but um, I think it was January 26th at about 4.30 in the morning, a, uh, a, a metallurgical uh, valve company um, had an explosion uh, over off of Clay and uh, Gessner. Um, it's about a thousand yards from my back door, and it uh, shook our house. I thought a truck had like come it has through. Has its own Wikipedia entry. Oh, January twenty fourth, and it um, it was in, insane. And so, like I, it it forcefully opened our back doors. Uh, of our house and fortunately it it didn't shatter any of our windows or anything like that just scared the mess out of our dog and and myself and so like i'm i'm the guy that's you know standing in my backyard in my pjs going like what happened you know i see this plume of of smoke uh drifting away and and um so i throw throw on a t-shirt and hop in the truck and drive up to the front of the neighborhood trying to figure out what's going on um 
we evacuated and, and whatnot and came back. But um, within less than 24 hours, really within less than 12 hours, uh, the restoration team was uh, just kind of in, in the middle of that. Um, you know, our, our offices at, at the Campbell Road campus are uh, less than two miles from there. And so we were able to stand up and um, start engaging our, our local congregations with how are we going to respond? And so within 24 hours of the explosion happening, um, I guess it was 26 hours because it was like eight o'clock, not four o'clock in the morning. Um, we had volunteers combing through the neighborhood. Um, we had a um, couple hundred sheets of, of plywood that were donated, uh, tarps to put on roofs. And we were, we were starting to, to respond to our neighbors in a very physical way so that, um, you know, those homes and, and those people impacted could see that we were there alongside them and, and with them. Um, we had a hundred, over a hundred volunteers respond through the restoration team, um, in that, in that response effort. Um, and then we're able to direct some resources to, to long-term recovery. That one's a little different because it's not a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, it's been caught up in, in lawsuits and, uh, lawyers and, and the city and all sorts of things, but it is, uh, it's been interesting, um, watching that progress and, and see how we, uh, were able to get volunteers engaged in that very quickly, um, because we already had such a relationship with, with so many churches in spring branch. And, and that's important because I remember, yeah. uh, so many people, the windows had been blown out or the doors had been blown mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So you're thinking, how am I gonna, and, 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 and you all were going around with the plywood just at least whatever you call that first phase of just hey securing the yeah the building there was a people were very appreciative I remember yeah there was a large storm approaching that weekend um, and so we were we we wanted to try to protect the homes as, as best as possible that's a that the neighborhood that was mostly impacted um, and I believe there were like fifty something homes that were um, condemned um, that have now been torn down or in the process really of being well. torn down. And we are, in, um, so right, working alongside to, to try to get those at least secure um, and protect the, the what's left of the home as, as best as possible um, is, is kind of um, eye-opening. And, and we'd already been working and, and we've continued in the last you know 10 months on how to prepare for that, how to put systems in place so that, um, when a, when a disaster is, is present, um, it's not just our team that is prepared, uh, but our local congregations that we work with. And what does that look like for disaster preparedness, uh, to, to really be active in the churches and in the communities so that, um, whether it's us or our our neighbors in, in Louisiana are impacted, we, we have a response without starting from ground zero again. Well, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's great work. So as we think about going forward, so, um, you know, the hurricanes that came, Marco didn't end up being really that much in, in our area turned aside, but Laura hit, I know in Lake Charles, there's been a lot of damage, you know, we operate within sort of a geographical area. That's a little outside of our mm-hmm. scope, but we will have people that will go. I know on on the website, um, if they go to chapwood.org, I can't remember what the link is off the top of my head, but um, there is a way where people can sign up to be helpful, even in this situation. Is that correct? 
Yeah, uh, I think it's chapelwood.org slash help others. Also, what's the restoration team site? Uh, the restoration team is therestorationteam.org. Um, there's a button for Hurricane Laura um, to volunteer um, what that looks like. And um, because of so much of the damage of Laura's is far away from us, um, or further away from us than we anticipated, um, that response looks a little different. Uh, the restoration team is pretty geographically constrained to assisting um, in Houston. Um, we, we tend to stick to the Houston city limits, Harris County especially, um, because we are a small team um, and with limited resources. So, you know, there are national organizations or statewide organizations that, that do things a lot better on a, on a larger scale. And so we're working alongside them in this current assistant with the current storms that just passed through with Laura um, and trying to find those communities that are going to get left behind. Um, and so we've been making a lot of connections with um, small communities, whether it's um, De Quincey or, or Newton, Texas, or, mm. you know, a dozen others, I can't remember the name of right now that um, aren't, densely populated but certainly have people that that need assistance um and so we are we're working alongside these larger organizations um to get resources that direction um there there's a lot of material donations um and resources that are physically donated uh over the weekend we filled two large box trucks i think they're 24 foot box trucks that were donated by a local moving company to fill up and so we put the word out to as many local churches as we could um and those got filled up yesterday and are are heading um to lafayette uh, to great. a depot there um if you want to physically go and and respond and, and help assist in, in tarping roofs you know Last I checked, there was about 1,500 um, requests for assistance on uh, the crisis cleanup website. Um, and so we can help get, get you in, in touch with the people that need that assistance. Um, it's just hard because there's no electricity, there's no water, there's no place for you to stay. If you leave Houston, um, you work all day and then you're, you're basically coming back to Houston that night. It makes for a very long day, but we had some guys do it on Saturday um, and they were, they were exhausted. But um, as the, as the days and weeks progress, um, that'll get better. I know we're, we're looking at Beaumont to be a uh, kind of a sending point and having um, hosting ability with local churches there um, as well as hopefully in orange um, at, at some partners there that, that we're looking at. Um, so we can send small groups of people out for a weekend or, um, or a few days at a time and have the support there that they need to, to, to come back. But it's still a very dangerous place, um, you know, with, with the heat advisories that we've been under the last few days and the lack of running water and, and electricity. It can be really hard um, at this mm -hmm. point. So if you don't really know what you're doing, if you don't know how to use a chainsaw or how to tarp a roof, um, I'm really encouraging people to, to hold off until, in, until there's more coordination or, or um, better ability to. That's, that's the hard part with. too. I remember, you know, everybody wants, I, I had friends from Georgia yeah. uh, who drove all the way over with their boat mm -hmm. to help pull people out like a day or two after Harvey. Yeah. And it took them, you know, just to get from, 
the other side of Port Arthur because, you know, the, the bridge was out, the interstate was out. Mm-hmm. And so it, it took them abnormally long amounts of time. The traffic, the roads were flooded. Yeah. It was crazy. But, I mean, people just want to go. Some people are wired that way. They yeah. just want to go do something. And it's, sometimes you have to kind of take a deep yeah. breath and, you know, because you, you have to let the local community really be the ones that step up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard when the whole entire community is affected. Yeah. It is. And, and there's some great people um, that we've been talking with in, in those areas. And, and we want to continue to support and, and, you know, let them learn what we've learned over the last three years of how long a recovery this is going to be. I mean, it's, it's a completely different type of devastation with the high winds. Um, but we, we want to be there to be able to support them. I mean, I was going stir crazy Thursday afternoon and Friday staying here, not, not just going and, and getting, getting in the truck and, and grabbing my chainsaw. But, um, you know, I, 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 my truck doesn't get good gas mileage, so I wouldn't have been able to come back. <laughs> I would have been stuck without fuel. So, um, you know, it's some of those logistics to, to think through and that's what we're trying to, trying to, to get going. But, um, yeah, the, the donation drives have, have been really responsive and really great. Um, I think we have a few more trucks that'll get filled in the next week to head that way. Um, there's still a lot of first responders on the ground that, um, are needing just your basic water, food, Gatorade, um, fuel sort of things. And then the long-term recovery is going to be exactly that. It's going to be long-term. And, so and that's when you get in a situation where you're able to send teams once they get just this initial yeah. mm-hmm. power backup, water backup, yeah. you know, places to even camp or stay. You can take a team to help rebuild a house or. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, and that's what we're trying to get supported as best as possible are these places that can host a team so that, you know, we can get people over there as quickly as possible um, mm. to, to respond. Well, I think if people want to help the restoration team, uh, restoration team.org. And also if you go to chapelwood.org and uh, there's a, a link there, what is that? Help, help others, help others link. If you go to the chapelwood.org, there are links there uh, for, to help others. And there's a link that takes you to the restoration team site mm-hmm. at Hurricane Laura Assistance, and also you can continue to volunteer at the food pantry, which mm-hmm. is still now you're you're over. Uh, well, maybe the last thing we can talk about you're you're now over on a regular basis at our Fairhaven campus, yeah. Seeing firsthand, uh, so to talk about yeah. disaster relief, we're in a pandemic, and so part of what we've been able to be blessed with with our food pantry there is this federal relief program, the Houston Food Bank and helping folks to get groceries and food, kids that are not in school, families that are not working. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, I, you're over there almost every day on the ground yeah, seeing what's going it on. It has been, um, we thought, it, we didn't think it would go this long, um, <laughs> but here we are. It just got extended. Yeah, it just got extended. <laughs> so since March, um, and now at least through October, um, and we expect that to probably be extended again. Um, you know, we, we've served, I think, a million and a half pounds of food yes. uh, to to this larger Spring Branch area. Um, yesterday, we had the, the, lar- the busiest Monday we've had yet um, with over 370 families coming through the line. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've been there just about every day um, working alongside uh, the rest of our serving team to to just keep, keep pumping away. Um, I think last 
last week, um, Thursday or Friday, we had like 60 volunteers assisting and um, there's plenty of room to sign up uh, in the coming weeks to volunteer over there. That's a great way. There's, you know, I think it was last Wednesday, um, we had some of our, Tuesday and Wednesday, we had some of our busiest days because people were worried about the hurricane. Um, And so they were preparing for potentially having to be, you know, um, shelter in place sort of situation. And so um, just a lot of a lot of food went, went through the doors and, and um, with school going back and, and unemployment being cut and all sorts of things, there's just, it's just multifaceted. And so it, it has been a great way for us to, to be engaged in the local community and, and um, kind of respond to what we were hoping was only going to be our only disaster this year, but um, that wasn't the case. 2020 has some ugly siblings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I think it's going to, this is going to spill over longer than just this year, unfortunately. Well, man, thanks for uh, coming and sharing about the restoration mm, team. Yeah. I think on the three year anniversary of Harvey with the storms that have been in the news and the continuing pandemic and the, and the service at the food pantry, there's just a lot keeping us busy. Yeah. And it's important for people to know, you know, when it, it always frustrates me when they say, you know, when's the church going to open? When's the church going to open? <laughs> we've been open. And I'm like, we, we, we've been open. Yeah. You know, come on. We got plenty of stuff for you to be involved in. Uh, the church is, sometimes people think if it's not worshiping on Sunday, it's not open. But I can say, honestly, I think there has been more engagement by people yeah. as far as discipling and learning and growing and connecting, even though we feel disconnected. But the impact and the engagement in our community, I think, has been as high as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to reconcile when people say, why isn't the church open? I'm like, oh, yeah, we're open. We are. There's plenty of opportunities to be the church. Oh, yeah. That's right. And more so now in some ways. More yeah, so, yeah. And I think, not more so, but it's just more relevant and yeah. real. The needs mm-hmm. are all in front of you every day. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Thanks for all you're doing for the way that you're leading our church into the the city in particular ways and it's just, it's great to be getting to know you and to uh, be dragged alongside of you and some of this <laughs> stuff it's great yeah I, I mean i'm extremely grateful for the chapel community continuing to support this and know that um it's important and chapel has been in the community for a long time and and will continue to be and so just being able to well, you owe us big that, time so <laughs> you owe us big time oh yeah well i mean you uh, Met your, met your wife I'm, here. I met my wife here. That's, That's right. right. I mean, that alone. So I might as well just get a columbarium spot. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, pace yourself. <laughs> and with that. Gosh, I hate to even talk about current events in the news. It's so <sighs> highly charged and political these days, and people just can't. I, you know, I, I, had, I, I had a conversation this past week um, with my brother-in-law, and, and we talk about this. For me, I look at these things, whether it's what, what we see in, uh, in our country around race, and we see the, you know, another, another shooting this week of the police, and you know, the facts are still out there, but we still, we still are struggling with this, and we still are, are wrestling with the, the protests, and, and there's just God, so highly politically charged. And what I try to say is, these issues are not either or they're both and and yes there are really uh, there are 
I, I do believe the vast majority of police officers are really good police officers who strive to do their job. But there's also a system in place that that we need to work on. We need to do a better job. Um, I think that protesting is something that that we should have to make changes. But I also I don't think violence and rioting yeah, and, and all these things are appropriate ways to, to come at this. I think it takes away from the message. And so people are always looking at the negative aspects of these things. And that then takes us down a role that doesn't bring us together, it separates yeah. us. And I wish that we could find a way um, to have conversations in a healthier, more Christ-like way. Yeah around these yeah. issues you 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 keep i remember a couple months ago you were, we were talking about kind of that that coming back to the center because both of those extreme extremes kind of pull us off an edge it's hard to to really connect with other folks but if christ is in the center and reconciling all people to him to god's self through that then we can come back to the center mm-hmm. and that center i think you know can be through service can be through worship can be through love can be through you know but there's we've got to fight our way back through to the center yeah. You know, that's the only, that's and I think when way. you see the NBA, the protests in the NBA, mm. you have to remember that um, yeah. a lot of the people that are involved in the NBA feel very passionate about these issues. And so other people are like, I can't believe the NBA or they get attacked. That's like I tell my family members, you know, you don't have to watch the NBA. I mean, if you don't want to watch it, turn it off. I mean, yeah. uh, and if enough people don't watch it and enough people don't go to the games, it won't be an NBA. I doubt that's ever going to happen. Um, but it's in the same way that we all have the freedom to stand up for the things that we believe in. I would rather it happen in a way that is peaceful yes. and making a statement yeah. than, than other ways that we see it happening in, in, in some places in our country. Yeah. So well, I know there's a lot of passion around these <clears throat> issues, um, but I would just encourage people. You know, for us, the church is um, we don't put our hope in Donald Trump or Joe Biden. That's as Christians, no. we don't put our hope <laughs> in earthly structures and earthly politics or in the Republican or the Democratic uh, Party. We put our hope and trust in Christ. Yeah. yeah. And we follow after the values of the kingdom of God. Come on. And as Christians, if we can do that, yep. then we can learn to live together even with differences right. in sort of worldly philosophies. Uh, but we have to have our highest value be. Christ and be the teachings of Christ and reading the scripture through the lens of the incarnational work that Jesus yeah, did. Absolutely. Yeah. And then of course, uh, Chadwick Boseman died. I'll be, I was absolutely oh. shocked. Um, he has made some great movies, the third good Marshall movie. Yeah. The Come on, um, black Panther, was <clears throat> the black Panther, of course, oh, the Marvel. We, we love good. And 42, the Jackie Robinson oh, yeah, movie. That was great. Uh, he's done some really, really powerful yeah. Um, yeah. some movies that that are very historical. I had no idea that he had stage four colon cancer for the last four years yeah. that he was battling. And that, that uh, most of the movies I've seen him in, he was in some form of struggling with cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, and and so I guess that was why it was such a shock to me because I didn't know that he. I didn't know he had that. He didn't talk about it a lot, apparently. Yeah. I don't think he it was very public it knowledge. It was not very yeah. public knowledge. It's just, it's I remember like my son came out of his room, um, you know, when he found out about it, about 10, 10 or 15 minutes after it posted because my kids are always on their phones. And uh, it was just, you know, we, we waited in line to go see um, Black Panther, loved it. It was, you know, 
and um, and obviously forty two is something that we've you know we loved as well and Marshall and I, I think it's like I know Christian Washington posted you know one of our pastors at Chapel at the Upper Room posted yeah. a lot it was a very significant moment I think for folks to go and see because all the superheroes in all these movies are always you know originally they were white men and then they got some females you know mm-hmm. white females yeah. but he he as black panther and having its own movie and it became sort of a central part of this yeah. superhero universe and i think that was very powerful for a lot of absolutely um, you know african americans to say wow okay we've got a, a central figure of this whole avengers uh infinity yeah. war kind of mm-hmm. universe multi-universe type thing going on which I think it's it's hard for us to um, think about how powerful that can be in certain places That's in our right. culture. I think that also ties in. I don't want to go kind of all like armchair psychologist, but I mean, I think his death because it, there was a sense in which I mean, he's deeply beloved um, um, across the board. That it ties into a lot of grief that we're all carrying around you know, right now through a, a multiplicity of things, you know, and just, it, it feels like one of those things that, um, it feels almost unfair, you know, mm. it's like, we, we need Chadwick Boseman around. We're better with him, <laughs> yeah. you know, you yeah. know? And so I think there's that sense in which being able to collectively grieve the, the loss of, of a good man, a great actor, you know, a really, uh, a person that was creating movies that were, um, helping us understand a different horizon of our own humanity, you know, what we could be, what mm. we aspire to be. So well it's, said. I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. I'm Trevor Barnett. And this is Pod Have Mercy. <laughs>